In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. Hey there, friends. Welcome into an In the Lab with me, Drew Doherty, and John Harris. John, we're back at it. OTAs almost over. It's the final uh, week of OTAs, but really football's not over because next week you have the mini camp and it's essentially the same thing you've seen the last few weeks the guys are practicing and they're not hitting and i feel like a broken record because i've said this a few times now but i got a chance to interview titus howard yes on tuesday titus is one of the best interviews you'll get on the team maybe the best i always enjoy talking with him just had a baby so we were chit-chatting about pacifiers and sleep and all that other stuff (laughs) yeah of course But Titus, the tackle, Titus, the offensive lineman, is a key piece of this entire football team. And I think we got to talk about his importance to what the Texans want to do on offense in the run and the passing game, leadership-wise. I think he's a pretty valuable valuable piece in the puzzle for the Texans. I don't think there's any question in that. And the one thing – there are a number of things that stand out uh, from OTAs. One of them, just look at Titus. He looks like he's in great shape. Tremendous shape. And he, I would say he's probably 325. Now, the, the the roster, I don't know what the roster will say, as you can see this right here. The roster <laughs> says that he is 322. And I would say it's probably probably about right, but they never update the rosters. He wears really it well. With the weights. Yeah, he, exactly. And that was going to be my point. He wears it really, really well. But I think what's really needed from the tackles in particular because you always think about tackles and you're thinking about their pass protection, how they protect the edge. Larry Tunsil and Titus Howard, when they were together in 2020, 2019, did a pretty good job of protecting the edge. They saw a lot of really good rushers, and this year they're going to see a lot of great rushers. I mean, the list of rushers I went over with uh, Mark last night, my gosh, just the AFC West alone, you're facing two yeah. every week from the AFC West alone, and you play those four teams. So, And they're, they're obviously not the only ones. But to me, it's about what those two, Laramie and Titus, provide in the run game, especially Titus, because he's got the ability to be an excellent run-blocking tackle. I still think he's got the feet to be able to protect, and he's worked on his technique over the years as a pass protector. But last year he played out of it at guard. I don't know that that was a fit. I don't know that he really kind of – understood playing guard the way that probably you'd like to see an interior player play. But look, the guy's been playing tackle his career and then you put him at guard and Mm -hmm. you're trying to get the best five you can on the field. It just, I don't think it worked for him, but now at tackle and I go back and I told the story last night, he moved out to left tackle for the chargers game because there were some, there were some hiccups along the way. There were some injuries, obviously Laramie, there were some COVID situations and then there was just not great play at left tackle. And so, Inside in the Chargers game, we're going to put him on a left tackle. And he had a great game. Now, he didn't face either Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack like he's going to this year, but he went off the left tackle and held it down. And I saw him the next day on Monday, and I was walking around the cafeteria. He was coming out of the locker room, and I just kind of looked at him and said, uh, kind of like riding a bike. And he knew exactly what I was pertaining to. He goes, <laughs> it, was my, it was my highest grade of the year. And if you watched, he didn't need the grade to know if you just watch with your own two eyes, is how well he played. But I think like a fish it's, being it's, back in water, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he just hopped right back up on the bike and just kept pedaling like it was nothing. Like he hadn't missed any time at all at tackle. So 
I think that game in particular is why those in the media start thinking out loud, like, hey, that guy could play left tackle. Maybe they're going to move Larry Tunsil. I'm glad they didn't because I think in combination, Tunsil and, and Titus Howard can be very, very good. I think on Titus, it's the run, it's the run game aspect, the ability to control really strong edge setters in the run game is going to be very key. And I think that's something that he's going to be able to do pretty well because if there's something about when he was drafted, I remember thinking, boy, he moves pretty well for a tackle, but he's got some nasty and he's got the ability to move guys off the ball. So I think that's going to be a a really added benefit. You want those guys to pass protect and be Mm -hmm. great at it. But man, if you get them to move some dudes off the ball, and I think that's just going to be the paradigm shift if there is one in the run game, but George Warhop as the offensive line coach, he's not going to sit back and, okay, well, we're going to position block these guys or, you know, we're going to do nothing but zone block here. No, they're going to come off and they're going to hit people in the mouth. And if they don't, they're probably not going to be in the five that goes out on the field. And so I think Titus fits that paradigm shift very, very well. Okay. Switching gears, which new Texan, and it can be a rookie, but which okay. new Texan on the defensive side of the ball is the guy to watch as far as breakout, dependability, easy. one of the most valuable? Who's that going to be yeah. for you? I think it's easy. Yeah? I think it's Jalen Petrie. Yeah? I'm not a Baylor. Everybody – I mean, look, when you watch a practice, and I've spent a lot of my time watching the offensive line and defensive line work down at the other end of the field because that you know me. I just – I. I, I love you. watching the trenches. And, and I, I know can, where you're I going can, with this. I know where you're going. The fly with boys and, and all those guys in the seven on seven, they can do all they, they can, whatever. <laughs> I got to watch the trenches. Even without pads, I got to watch the trenches. And so you're watching the trenches, but your ears and the you movement of your peripheral vision keeps telling you. Jalen Petrie's making plays yeah. every single day. And so coming off the field the other day, just happened to be talking with, uh, with Cal and with Mark and with Lovey Smith. And we were just kind of talking and, chit-chatting and and uh, I think it was Mark said something to coach Smith about Jalen Petrie and he was like you guys have only been out here you know one day a week every other day he's coming up with a pick and I was like yeah you almost got that one on the flat he goes yeah he's gotten that a couple times and you just can't miss him just the the speed with which he plays the explosiveness the ability to cover in the slot I mean if there's if there is a I mean, in, in football, there's so many difficult, difficult things in football. But when you play in defensive backfield, one of the hardest ones is to play, is to cover in the slot. Because those guys in the slot are so quick. They know exactly what you're doing. They do everything based off of what your positioning and leverage is. And then you have to react to that. And you got to do it right now. That becomes so difficult. But Petrie seems to have a knack for doing that. Now, Will he step right in and be Tyron Matthew 2.0? That's a lot to put on a guy. But if I were going to, as you said, if you're going to ask me who's the guy that could do that, not just with the Texans, anywhere across the league, I would tell you it's Jalen Petrie. Mm -hmm. So last, no, this week, so we went out on Tuesday. So I think it was on Monday. I was actually watching the Baylor-Oklahoma game from last year because I was wanted to look at the two tackles, Anton Harrison from – uh, Oklahoma and Connor Galvin from out of Baylor. The same thing happens. Hit. This guy Petrie's ripping your eyes away from that action, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, I found myself after about 10, 12 plays going, hey, dummy, you why you turn <laughs> this on to watch the tackles, not to watch Petrie. He's already in the NFL. He plays for your team. So 
but your eyes keep going back to that. And whether it's in coverage, whether it's the way you make sound tackles out in space, whether it's the way he gets off a block, whether it's the way that he blitzes and understands, like there was one play where he was on the far side of the field, Oklahoma ran um, like a zone read play and Caleb Williams pulled the ball. And the guy that was supposed to be, uh, that was accounting for Caleb Williams had jumped on the dive. Jalen came from all the way the other side of the field, just wove himself like all the way through the traffic and got to Caleb Williams and ended up pushing him out of bounds for a one yard gain. And he's the backside blitzing safety from the field. So he had a long way to run, but he, he just, and you could just see him seeing the game at like a different pace and vision than everybody else on the field. And he just, it was as if all the other white shirts were off the field and he was just running this path to get to Caleb Williams to make a play. Uh, Jalen Petrie is definitely going to be fun to play. The other one uh, is somebody that you talked to the other day and did Drew's dozen with, I'm really excited about, and that's Rasheem Green. Mm-hmm. His length, size, his athleticism, uh, smarts. I think he's got what this team, a 4-3 team, is looking for and the ability to bounce inside, outside, He's a nice when fit, watched, yeah, for what he can I, do and what this I team. When I watch the trenches, yes, he's a guy inside. Boy, they really have a hard time with him inside because he's so he's so long. Mm-hmm. And I get asked this question a lot. Well, okay, so what? He's got long arms. What does that allow a guy to do? Well, the more separation you get from a guy, I mean, if you're a short arm guy and you keep letting guys get into your body, they have the opportunity to maneuver you. But if you have that separation, you have that length. It's so hard for an offensive lineman to then get hands on a guy to control him. You're controlling it because your length gets on him. Uh, and I've seen that happen to a lot of guys over the years when they face longer defensive ends. They try and get their hands to him, and they, and they just can't. And, and then the defensive end, edge, the edge player, whatever, defensive lineman is just controlling him because he's got that length, and he's got that length. But I'm really intrigued with what Rasheem Green brings to the defense as well. What do you think? I like that. You know, when I see Green, I think – it's, it's kind of, they're not the same. They're different, obviously, obviously, but in a way it's sort of like he's a more fully realized and more accomplished so far. And he might get there eventually, but more accomplished Omenahu, Charles Omenahu. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, like Charles, there were, there were things Charles did. He had some flashes, but I think Rashim's done it a little bit, you know, more consistently. And to be fair to Rashim, he's had different chances and different opportunities and, that might come for Charles. I'm not at all writing him off, but I do think because of the length and because of the ability to kind of go inside and outside at times, it sort of seems a little bit like what, what the Texans were envisioning what they could do or some someday do with Omenahu. And I, perhaps that's, that's a bit of a reach in comparison, but it, it was cool talking with him last week and he's, a, he's excited about being here. I mean, he was, yeah. he's really, um, I think he kind of, because of the, the, Changes going on in Seattle. He was sort of out of a, a spot, yes. you know, exactly it had been right. taken away. And now he's in a spot that is probably better suited for him. So I'm excited about that. I'm really curious, like Petrie, I love Petrie. I'm really curious yeah. about what Steven Nelson does to help yeah. solidify things out on the edge at corner because we heard Lovey Smith in the run up to the draft talking about how, hey, we got to get better at corner. So what they do, they sign Nelson, they use the first pick that they have on Derek Stingley, who I mean, he should be the obvious choice for what we're doing, but that's kind of right. too obvious. So, uh, plus, you know, he's he's coming back and he's not fully participating, so we haven't gotten the full look at him. But everything we've heard from his teammates, from the coaches, 
heck, even from Andre Johnson, who was out at practice the other day, is uh, there's a lot of people really, really impressed by him. But I, Steven Nelson is the guy, based on the experience, based on the way he's played the last few years, the leadership that he's going to provide, I'm pretty excited about what he can do and what he can bring to this team because Texans are going to need it if they want to get better. And he's already talking, and he, you hear the same mantras being repeated as last year. Got to get the football. Got to get the football loose. Yep. Got to get takeaways. And that was that was huge for the Texans after having just nine in 2020. They jumped up. They were in the top 10 last year with 25, and they want that number to grow. Yeah, no doubt. Steve Nelson's a great one. A great one. On Rasheem Green, as you were talking about him, it, it, maybe you, I think your comparison to Amanda, who's a great one, I think there's one major difference, and this is why I think Rasheem Green fits. I think I think Lovey Smith and this defensive staff and the organization as a whole love the idea of a Menahu, a guy that could go inside outside mm-hmm. with that length. But one major difference was Charles did not want to play inside. Mm. Charles wanted to be a four-three defensive end, and that's what he wanted to be. He did not want to play inside. That was fairly well known to him coming out of the University of Texas. It's just that he would win against guards rushing in his head, but he didn't want to be there. When he yeah. had to play there a significant amount, now he's playing the run. He never played it well. With the Niners, I don't think he even went inside. I think Rasheem Green will go inside willingly mm-hmm. and will be a factor if he's inside and still gets a run play. So I think the idea of a guy like Menahu, and that's why they went after and found a guy like Rasheem Green, which right. I absolutely love. Now, I know there's some fans, well, wait a second. It, went, it took a lot to draft to get him signed. Look, you never know why, why that happened. Who knows? You know, maybe the, the right fit just wasn't there. Maybe Seattle couldn't make up its mind. Maybe he was wait, looking for a better fit. And it just so happened to, to come in the form of the Texans. It doesn't matter how you get here, what way you got here. Now that you're here and you got the opportunity to make the most of it. And, and Rasheem Green's not complaining about it. I'm certainly not complaining about it. Yeah. Neither one of us are. He's here. Now let's maximize it. But I think you're right. I think it's the idea of a guy like Amenahu really attracted them. It's just Amenahu wasn't going to be a fit it's because he didn't really want to play inside. But I think Rasheem will play inside outside with the same fervor. No doubt. And uh, let's wrap things up. It was nice seeing Andre Johnson out there the other day. It was also nice seeing the other nine former Houston Texans. We saw guys like Wade Smith, who we talk with all the time, Chester Pitts. Saw Mike Quinn, the old quarterback. Yeah. He's a good dude. He's running that uh, seven-on-seven youth football league. And I hear it's a, a tremendous one. I need to talk with him about that because I've got some knuckleheads in my family that want to play a little football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, those were those guys, Earl Mitchell, uh, Jonathan Wells. There were a lot of them out there. Yeah. It was it was fun seeing them. And Kylie Wong. Man, I miss Ky- – Kylie comes on the TV show from time to time. we got to get him back yep. on because he's, yep. uh, he's a fun guy to talk with. But lots of them yeah, are out was- there. I – did you get to chat chat with any of them? I did for a little bit. I talked to Chester Pitts for a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and it's always great to get Chester's view, yeah. especially on the big guys up front. And you know, just overall thirty thousand foot view. I always think he's got a great uh, view on that. So yeah, I talked to Chester for a little bit. Fred Weary too. Don't want to leave out Fred. Yeah, Fred was there. Fred. So yeah. yeah, I mean, there was about a dozen guys, and Mark and I talked about that. Just how cool that was, and uh, and the fact that it was you know Lovey Smith who was like, yeah, you know, have him come out and talk and. And it just kind of reinforces, hopefully, what I think the Texans have wanted to be forever. And that's a, an organization that feels like family. And you played here before yep. that you want to you bring those those guys back and, and make them feel like they're part of it. And that's I'm telling you, something like that goes a long, long way with alums. I say that in air quotes. 
you know, guys that have been here, guys that have played here. But sure. Houston's a spot we all know that a lot of athletes, whether they play for the Texans or not, where they were athletes they retire. Settle. Yeah. They settle here. This is where they, they want to live. It's such a great place to live. And so a lot of athletes are here. And so a lot of Texans players being here, feeling like they're still part of it, I think is fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. that's all they want to do. They want to feel part of what is going on that that's their team that's their guys and when you have just the smallest connection to them you feel that even stronger Amobi Okoye too I don't want to leave anybody out I, and I, if I did leave somebody out I apologize but Amobi was there good to see him you, you I think you hit most all of them I think so I think You're so good. yeah uh, almost all of them have been on where are they now but i got to get a few more of them so <laughs> yeah um yeah anyhow well hey it's good being with you next week yeah man is mini camp we'll do that one we'll do one then and until then you keep on rocking keep on rolling i'm gonna go see top gun maverick again looks like on saturday for the second time i can't wait we will talk to you again here on in the lab <laughs>